Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to DE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Bet Online, Manscaped, TheraOne CBD, and NFL Sunday Ticket. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we get some playoff hoops tomorrow. We do. We're like Mike and Mike with all those sponsors you just uh, it's wild. reeled off. Yeah, Subway. It's, a good, it's a good sign for us, good sign for Blue Wire, but NBA playoffs start tomorrow today if you're listening to this monday so i'm excited i was looking at the schedule jazz nuggets kick it off at 12 30 i'm not sure and, and then i know tuesday the 1 30 the world operates on eastern time tyler mm, debatable but i don't know how many uh, times we'll have these afternoon games and it going throughout the day i don't know if that's just at the beginning but i love it 
Yeah, the first I think the first round is set up that way. I'm not sure what's going to happen after, but it is quite nice. We get a couple afternoon games. You mentioned it. Nuggets, Jazz off the top. Raptors, Nets, Philly, Boston, Clippers versus Luka. Um, so a great early slate. I mean, I'm just the. It's been it's been so nice having the NBA back, and I think the quality of basketball has been higher than expected, and the watchability of it has also been higher than expected. Um, the game on Saturday, I do want to talk about uh, Dame versus the Grizz. Uh, the Blazers took care of business there. Um, Lillard, I put it out there. I was going to give out money to the Full Slave family if, if Lillard... Uh, hit his points over. He hit the under, so that was nice. But it was scary. Big buckets by C.J. McCollum down the stretch. Yeah, that's Dame Lillard is not the guy you want to be betting against right now. He's been incredible. He won bu- the first ever bubble MVP. Hopefully, we don't have that too often going forward. But yeah, he's been incredible. So I'm I'm a little nervous as a Lakers fan for that series. But I think in the end, the fact that C.J. McCollum is hurt gives the Lakers a little bit of an advantage. Um, obviously, but. It'll it'll be a great series. Yeah, it really will be. It really will be. So we get into some NBA talk with Ben Fox. He's a VP of digital content at VEASAN, formerly at ESPN. A great conversation with him about the sports betting industry, NBA, um, and we will add uh, some, some thoughts on Double Shot on the other side. Support for Full Slate is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower. 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. This battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that drunk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE, all caps, no spaces, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off for free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FULLSLATE. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome on a special guest to the Full Slate Airwaves, Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content at Vizen, formerly at ESPN. Ben, how's your weekend going? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Uh, weekend's going well so far. You know, it's uh, every uh, every day we have sports, a good day. Correct, correct. It definitely is. It definitely is. Um, but Ben, so tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started at ESPN, and kind of your your journey through the sports gambling industry so far. Uh, how much time you guys got? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're rolling. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, so I graduated in 2009, which was also not a great time to get a job. Um, a lot of recommendations from career services about uh, going to graduate school and all of that good stuff. Uh, I went to a small school in Claremont, uh, sorry, California, called Claremont Mechanic College. Uh, shout out CMC. And uh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. So once I graduated, I came back um, to, like many New York City kids, came back home and uh, lived at home 
and was kind of looking for work more. I didn't have a job coming out of school. Uh, I had an internship with uh, ESPN Magazine um, my, I guess, rising senior year, so the summer of my junior year, uh, and really, you know, loved it and loved the environment. Uh, it was in New York City at that point, so kind of their office was right across the Empire State Building, and I kind of always had a sense I wanted to do something in sports, um, I was always the kid who would, like, get the New York Times, like, take a quick peek at the front page, toss it aside, and go right to the sports section and, uh, you know, continue to read that. And so uh, I kind of knew I wanted to probably do something in sports, but outside of at that point, if you'd asked what I wanted to do, I probably would have said something in sports, and that was about as specific uh, as I got, which isn't great for job interviews, it turns out, when that's that's your main qualification is I'm a sports fan. Um, but yeah, I basically was working for a couple of startups, uh, then and kind of got my way back into, uh, ESPN and started kind of working nights, working weekends. I knew their content management system. Um, so basically the delivery service to get, you know, articles from writers onto the actual website and how to put in photos and headlines and captions and, um, you know, SEO optimization, all of that good stuff. And so, I was kind of uh, good, cheap labor, and when there were projects not everyone wanted to necessarily do, they knew kind of I I could do those and I'd do a good job, and I kind of just worked my way up from doing that, and um, eventually they basically said, I guess that was in 2010, uh, that they were moving to Bristol in a year, so you had a decision whether or not you wanted to stay with the magazine in New York or move up to Connecticut and Bristol. And as a uh, you know, young single guy, I said, Bristol, Connecticut, why, why not? <laughs> but no, it was kind of too good an opportunity not to, not to go to. And so I went up there and then uh, started working on the ESPN Insider behind the paywall. And I'd been doing uh, stuff with Chad Millman and editing his blog and editing his podcast and, um, doing all that stuff and it kind of one thing led to another in 2014 we started chalk um which was briefly espn gambling for a very short period of time before we had to change the name which is not a (laughs) not shocking probably to to people who know uh know about espn and yeah i was running chalk uh kind of up until i guess a couple almost a month now um and i've been at vizen so i skipped over some of the uh the last few years there but Wanted to give you guys a, a chance since I went through a lot there. No, it's good to get the full story. So were you a big sports gambler growing up and also through your experience working with Chalk and now at VEASAN, do you feel like you have, you're you sharp in the market and you could see things that other people won't? Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> to, the, to the sharp aspect, I think the one thing that's uh, – so, so sports gambling kind of interests me. In college, I was an economics and psychology dual major, and I feel like sports gambling kind of combines those two things in a lot of ways, just why you make a certain bet or, like, why you probably shouldn't bet on your favorite team and all of those things, uh, as well as, like, unit size and, you know, everyone knows about – chasing games after you're losing or or vice versa. So there's kind of a lot of different things that go into it. Uh, So that always interested me in terms of being an actual sports better. Like I would say that I, I dabble. Um, I think I know a lot of people who are successful. And so, you know, I guess 
sometimes I'd probably have access to to picks uh, that others might not have. And but it depends on, you know, whether people want to share those and what they think the benefit is and and all of that. Um, I, I think that it's just really difficult. And that's the thing that people sometimes don't. Uh, understand is just they go on Twitter and they see all these people saying, hey, I'm hitting at 70 percent. I'm hitting at 80 percent. I'm eight and two in my last 10 and all these things. Um, and it's, you know, it's a really fascinating industry, but it's also a really difficult industry. And I think for a lot of people with legalization, it's good to think of it more as a, you know, uh, I don't want to say a hobby necessarily, but something to approach um, cautiously as opposed to Definitely like, all right, this is how I'm making my fortune, uh, sports betting. Um, and go, going back to your, your question growing up, I think I was always around it, uh, kind of growing up in Brooklyn and, you know, my soccer team, a lot of kids from Bay Ridge and, and, uh, and all that. So it was, it was always around. There were some like pick 'em pools and stuff that I did. And that's kind of NFL. Um, and that's kind of how I got started on it. Just seeing, I have to say, gambling is like, looking through sports kind of through a different prism and it's kind of like once you, that's a little Plato's cave situation. Like once you see it, it's kind of tough to unsee that. And you just, you look at the games in a different way and you're just, you're never really going to just look at the Super Bowl as, okay, is this team going to win or is this team going to win? You know, there's, you know, 500 prop bets that you can make and all this other stuff involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit on a good point there, Ben, where, uh, it's it's certainly more of an uh, entertainment thing, I think, for a vast majority of people. Uh, not a 401k investment strategy, at least I would hope not. Um, but it's interesting. So in your time, you've essentially worked at Chalk, you said 2014. 2018, PASPA is repealed, so it becomes more mainstream on a national stage, kind of moves from uh, behind the shadows into, uh, into a real legal thing that some states are are legalizing. Did you think this day was inevitable when you started working on chalk in 2014, or um, was this kind of maybe faster than you anticipated? It was a little faster. Uh, it's a good question because it's really funny how the discourse in the industry has changed. Uh, and when uh, back in my day when I started, now uh, <laughs> when I was starting, it was always like, okay, when you know, if or hopefully when legalization comes, what about that and how many states and how quickly? And everyone was really, you know, it was kind of a running gag that it was five to 10 years. It was like, all right, well, five to 10 years. That was kind of what everyone was saying. And they didn't really know. There was no sense it probably would come necessarily faster than that. But people had been giving that answer for a long time. And I really think that you know, the Adam Silver op-ed, which I believe was the fall of 2014 as well, uh, which is, again, great when you're starting a section and then you have, an, a, you know, the commissioner of a professional sports team come out and write that mm -hmm. in the New York Times. I, I think that that, you know, helped to elevate it some. Um, I think that there are many, uh, <laughs> many things I can say about the daily fantasy sports kind of boom in 2015. Uh, some good, some bad, but I think it also provided a blueprint for some lessons for sports betting. And it was almost like a, a you know trial balloon in essence um, that people could see like, oh, here's what's really good, and ah, here's some things that aren't so good. And they were kind of 
you know, as big as the daily fantasy industry has gotten is going to be dwarfed by sports betting and just kind of always is. And so I think that that was a way for, you know, people to see whether or not, whether or not it could work. And yeah, I, I think everyone wasn't thinking given the new, the New Jersey case, which started it, uh, I think it was 2000, it was 2009, 2010, and it was being bumped through all these courts and, People were were covering it, but I don't think anyone even thought that the Supreme Court would take it on. And then once the Supreme Court did, it was like, okay, this is a possibility. And I was actually lucky enough to be there uh, in December um, for the uh, for the Supreme Court hearing. And then, you know, it was kind of it, it became potentially real, and uh, it was a whole interesting mess seeing when they were going to. Um, rule on it as well but yeah yeah, i think people thought it was a possibility but i I don't think anyone thought it was as kind of imminent as as it came down Mm -hmm. so in your time when you're at espn when that got repealed and the news came out like what was the next 24 hours like for you working in chalk and you had been doing that for four years i guess at that point yeah it was insane um you know, there's a lot of competition, obviously, for what we call page one, which is the front of ESPN.com. Um, it's kind of like a newspaper, and there's A1 and all the different sports or different sections. And so, uh, you know, as you can imagine, there's plenty of competition, and a gambling section is not going to get the front page, the lead spot, uh, too often. And so we've been working on a plan for, man, I don't even know, probably almost a year uh, just in terms of what we're going to do. Uh, my writer, David Purdom, had actually written the first newser kind of reaction. He'd written it three ways, I believe. Um, so basically, whether they passed it, whether they didn't pass it, or there was a third way that I'm not even remembering right now. Um, and so basically, we were prepared for any any outcome. We were obviously hopeful that it would be positive because – if it was negative for the sports betting industry, we didn't really know what that would mean and how far down the road it would mean for legalization and all of that. But yeah, it was very much like, you know, all of a sudden you kind of go from a, you know, a a small, I've always said Chuck's kind of like a startup within ESPN. Um, Now, obviously it's a lot bigger with daily wager and um, the giant deal with Caesars and all, all of that. But it really was kind of like the spotlight moment and, definitely uh you know make sure you're on top of your game because all eyeballs are are watching and there's certainly times when you know all the bosses are watching and that's one of them so yeah it was it was a crazy day it was a crazy time and for everyone in the industry who knows what i was referencing before the supreme court doesn't say which cases it's offering decisions on it just gives the date and so there were all of these dates in January and February and March and April, and they kept adding dates. And every single day, basically, the reporters at Supreme Court go in and there's a box and there's there's papers with the decisions. And so we're waiting until 10 a.m. on the day for a reporter to tweet out, <laughs> A, which cases they're, they're you know uh, deciding on, and then B, what the decision is. And so I, I want to say it was like the ninth or tenth time uh, that it could have been finally is when they ruled on it. So we'd had some dry runs a, a bit, and we kind of kept adding pieces to the plan as it as it kept going. Um, but yeah, it was just I, I think everyone was really happy and then you know really exhausted in the next uh, couple of days, but a, a good exhaustion. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That, I didn't realize that's how they actually do it in terms of the rulings. That's like the ultimate drum roll. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. I mean, we actually did a piece, I think, that we handicapped. And again, it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek. We tried to handicap like the date that they would actually release it with odds mm-hmm. and do a fun piece like that. But yeah, I, I think... Uh, it, it was certainly interesting, and the only date that would have been terrible for me was there was one that was, like, right after the NFL draft, and I was also working on all of Todd McShay's content. So there was potentially, like, one one day that was, like, the Monday after the NFL draft, which just would have been really mm-hmm. tough um, yeah. to come back from the draft and that entire process to then, like, have, you know, the, busy, the busiest day of your main career uh, on Monday. Yeah, yeah. A couple questions uh, quickly on on the draft. Curious. So, have you? So you mentioned Tom McShay. Have you also worked with Mel? And any any kind of thoughts, stories on on those two? And even the draft this past year. How is how is that different? Um, if if you worked on the virtual one. Yeah. So I, man, I, my first draft was I think 2011, and I've been working with. Uh, mostly editing Mel's draft grades since then. And then 2017 season, I did Todd McShay's stuff. So I was working with him on that. Uh, you know, I, they're both great guys. They also really like each other. Like there's, you know, obviously some of that's for TV. Some of it isn't. I do think that, you know, Mel is just such a a unique uh, character and like what he says with, the pumpkin pie and, you know, doesn't have an ATM card and all of this <laughs> stuff. Like, you know, that that's just who he is. Um, but they're both, you know, I, I can't really sing their praises uh, any anymore. They're both great guys. I think everyone was, uh, you know, kind of heartbroken for Todd this year with, with what happened with COVID. And, um, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, he's doing, doing much better and, Um, but it just was kind of a different, obviously a very different draft experience in general, and then a a different draft uh, without him because also there was the ABC version, which he was going to be on. And so, um, yeah, this year's draft, I was actually more covering from a gambling perspective than from the NFL draft perspective and looking at, you know, over-under quarterbacks drafted and uh, some of the SEC versus other conferences and all of that stuff. So it was the first time I did it more from a gambling perspective than from the prospects perspective. Uh, I will say the thing that I enjoyed the most was the lack of travel. Like I, I love being there, but the, the draft is like, you know, it's from, man, it's on the East coast. It's from like, you probably get there at four or 5 PM and then you're working till like 3 AM Thursday night. You kind of wake up, do some things on Friday, do it again from like 5 PM to 2 AM. And then you wake up again on Saturday the draft starts at noon and then the rest of the day after it ends, which is usually like 6 p.m., you're working on, you know, either Mel's draft grades or Todd's column. So you're probably done there at like 2 a.m. Um, so it's a it's a definitely a grind, but it's, you know, it's some of the best professional experiences uh, and personal experiences that I have because there's usually kind of a, a gathering at the bar uh, afterwards where, you know, we, we kind of had a special place in New York right across the street from the 
the Sheridan. So, you know, you'd have you'd have Berman down in some down in some beers and John Gruden and, and others. And so oh, wow. that was always that was always an interesting, uh, an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds like a great after party to be at. And I'm sure a lot of uh, funny stories. Have you ever disagreed with one of Mel's draft grades and edited them for yourself? Like what you thought about a certain thing? <laughs> So Mel has uh, is a good question. Uh, I've been part of the select, you know, Mel grading committee uh, for for many years. I was I was not on the committee this year, uh, and yeah, it's basically Mel and then two to three editors, and we go through and essentially he has a grade, uh, and I would I would say like eighty percent of the time we all generally agree. Um, some of the stuff honestly that I help the most with is trades because. If you're doing TV, you're just so rapid fire, right? Like picks coming in, what does it mean for the team? Who's the prospect? It's it's actually difficult. Excuse me, I'm not sure if people realize for those guys, just like it's hard to remember one team, all the guys that they've drafted, kind of until they toss up that graphic because they're so focused on like, all right, this prospect, what school they go to, strengths, weaknesses, how does he fit with this team? Sometimes it's tougher to, you know, take a little treetop view and then go one step back from there, which is like, all right, did they trade away a first-round pick to move up for a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So with helping with some of those, uh, yeah, I, I would say, in short, I've definitely influenced uh, influenced some grades. I think that, um, you know, for the most part, everyone agrees on a good amount, but it's always a fun exercise to do. And, you know, it takes a while. It's 32 teams. So even if you try and take like two minutes a team, that's an hour. So we, mm-hmm. we try and go, you know, try and go pretty quick uh, between them. But yeah, I think there, there are f- very few instances where Mel's like, oh yeah, B plus. And I'm like, oh, that's more like a D. Uh, you know, I think generally it's kind of like, oh yeah, C plus. I was thinking B minus. All right. What do you think? Um, yeah. In a sense, it's similar to how some sports books set lines where it's as simple as like, all right, it's, you know, Pistons, Jazz. And they're like, I was thinking two. I was thinking two and a half. I was thinking three. All right. You feel good two and a half? All right. Two and a half. And you move on to the next one. Is Mel a big email guy or or do you have him on Zoom? Like, I, I just can't anticipate. I can't imagine Mel sending like very many like Outlook messages. No, I, I send I send emails to Mel. I think most likely uh, most of the time Kim, who's who's his wife, is is answering. I think <laughs> most of the time it's a call. He's a Got big. He, he does have a cell phone, uh, but most of the time it's the home. The just home. Just hop phone. on. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just he'll just call the the cell basically. That makes sense. That it's makes got sense. like two numbers. I'm assuming one's probably like the upstairs, one's the downstairs. But you know, he's he's in the office. He's making his calls. Good. Uh, yeah, you, you know where he's going to be because he's not that, a giant traveler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I like to picture him now. Um, going back to the sports gambling, so like you mentioned DFS kind of starting to bring uh, gambling into the light. And then since 2018, FanDuel and DraftKings have kind of been had this thing on lock uh, to this point. They're about three quarters of the market. Do you, if you have to make a prediction in like three years from now, do you think it's going to look similarly where they're still going to be the leaders or do you see other kind of books coming up and emerging and, and making this more of uh, a real kind of jockeying for the top spots? Uh, it's definitely a good question. I, I don't think anyone has a great sense of it, but my prediction would be that there'll be more players in the game uh, and that it will 
you know, I, I don't want to necessarily say even out, but I don't think anyone really knows who the kind of winners and losers will be um, because there are so many important states that aren't actually legalized yet. You know, you just think about what California looks like with mobile betting and what New York looks like with mobile betting. And, uh, you know, Illinois is just starting up now. We have Pennsylvania, like some of these other Texas, Florida. We have some of these giant markets that uh, don't have legalized sports betting yet. And so there certainly are leaders in different states. But I think, you know, as we've seen with like New Jersey, uh, they started off with a couple apps. And now, man, I think there's like close to 20 that are in in the state and everyone kind of can carve out their area. And it's, it's up to, you know, some of the European operators as well. You know, this is like a, a great opportunity for expansion, whereas in Europe, there's not that many, right? It's a pretty mature market and people kind of know generally the brands, the U.S., you know, somebody in in Texas isn't going to know the difference between PointsBet and DraftKings and Unibet and all, any other of these brands. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's just, you know, there's a lot of big fish and it's expensive to acquire customers and retain them. And so you kind of, you know, I think that that's why certain companies have had the early lead. Um, ultimately, it's ultimately it's going to come down to the price they can offer and then technology. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that some larger casinos underestimated was just I think they probably thought, oh, gambling's legal kind of in New Jersey. Now everyone will come to Atlantic City. And then once DraftKings and FanDuel came in and, you know, their technology is much, much better on a mobile basis than some of these other places, people are going to go to the best. You know, it's the same thing with Uber and and Lyft and anything else. The the thing that's easiest and usually cheapest and most reliable, they're going to go with. And so I I think we'll continue to see that as more states uh, legalize. Yeah, you meant you mentioned mobile betting, and I saw you tweeted out earlier the handle New Jersey's taken over the last year or two, and it's massive. And I'm out here in Illinois, and they've been mobile betting is legal, but it's like kind of on the fence. Like, why do you think so many states are so hesitant to do it? Um, New York, California, like why why do you think they're hesitant to let that go? So the short answer is basically just politics. And I think that, you know, it's it's one thing we've definitely seen, um, you know, I remember attending conferences in 2017, 2018, 2019, and the Nevada and Vegas bookmakers' biggest kind of gripe was that nobody was contacting them. It was like, you know, you're, if you want to get your car repaired, you're probably going to go to mechanic, right? Like, they know the car. You know, why aren't you asking them? And so people didn't necessarily connect those dots. And so they were kind of just going forward. And I think you've seen which states have succeeded in terms of, you know, a Delaware, Rhode Island initially, which didn't have mobile and people are factoring in a certain amount of revenue and coming up short. And then the politicians are going, wait a second, you promised me this much revenue. And they're going, well, you don't have mobile betting. Like this is where people are, you know, are placing their wagers. I I think that we'll continue to see that, you know, hopefully in those states that, you know, didn't have mobile betting, they will pass bills that allow it. And I think um, certainly in a pandemic, it's a lot easier as well to bet on your couch than it is, you know, to go into a casino and and do that. I I think, you know, Illinois has been an interesting test case for a lot of reasons. Um, I think that, you know, ultimately it'll, it'll continue to 
be one of the bigger markets. Um, but you know, it's going to take some take some time to get there, and they've definitely hit some you know hit some speed bumps. I think ultimately, though, each state has its own legislation and what people want to do, and different you know different paths to how they can legalize sports betting. And it also comes down to how powerful. Uh, the tribes are in different states and in like California and Florida, um, they're different compacts with the Indian tribes where they're allowed to offer exclusive betting. And so there's kind of a many mouths to feed um, when you come to, you know, the, the tribes and politicians and sports leagues. And th- there's just, you know, essentially politics, uh, as I said, is the short answer. But it, basically, it's just every state is different, and that's why Adam Silver had suggested the federal, you know, kind of the federal um, sports betting plan before, but that's a, difficult in our current uh, political climate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of lot of factors at play, um, and it is fascinating to see it continue to roll out, um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, COVID kind of kicks kickstarts kick some more of these states to push push it through. Um, I want to ask you about in-play betting a little bit here before we get to some NBA talk. So right now, I think in Nevada, it's about like 20%. Uh, they say in play wagering in the UK and in Europe, it seems to be like a majority of the handle from what you read about. Do you see the US making a similar shift? And if so, what sports um, from your end do you think present the biggest opportunity for in play betting? Yeah, I think so. I think it may even be higher in Nevada, um, but it's, I, I think there will be that shift. Um, but I think it will be slow uh, because it just depends on what you consider your kind of average consumer, right? And what they're gonna, you know, what they're gonna do. And I think in general, you're looking at people who want to bet a little, win a lot, and not have to put in that much effort. And that's the opposite of in-play <laughs> wagering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you go in with a game plan and you kind of know what you're looking for, there's a lot of ways to attack in play. I know people love it in the NBA um, with especially now how prevalent kind of runs are, you know, you'd have a couple years ago and a lot of people were playing the Warriors because they would kind of come out and have a slow like first quarter or maybe first half. And all of a sudden they'd be down, you know, seven, eight points. And maybe the live line is, Warriors minus four and in pregame it was minus 10, you know, now you have a lot of value there that you wouldn't have before. So a lot of people using that, I I think we'll see it, especially in like golf. Um, I think golf is prime with all of the different, the different shots and also just how there's so many good golfers. Uh, You know, we just saw it where a guy that I hadn't heard of just won the tournament (laughs) today by, you know, shooting a 63. I think he was like 500 or 600 to one before the tournament. But, you know, that that's more like you could picture somebody on their couch placing some bets during the round over the course of several hours. Uh, You know, I think in Europe it's so popular uh, and overseas because of soccer. Right. And people are just kind of conditioned to you're watching the match. There's you know, there's momentum one way, they're, they're looking at the game, they're betting into it. It's just kind of second nature, and it's not really that way in the U.S. yet, especially because it's also not legal everywhere. And so I think once it becomes more of that, you will uh, you will have it. It will definitely 
up the amount, but I would be very surprised if it's, you know, in that kind of 70, 80 percent or or kind of what the overseas, the European levels are anytime soon. Yeah, live betting isn't for the faint of heart, and especially if you're getting started with it, it's it's so fickle. Um, you kind of touch about touched on people who are like the casual fans. You're trying to get into gambling. What about the people who have been sports betting for a while and they're used to doing it on their offshore books, betting on credit? These companies, like you mentioned, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, you know, Penn. How do they how do they attract those customers who are so used to? betting on credit, not having to deposit money? Like, what do you think that conversion will be for those companies, how they draw people in? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think that, you know, anyone certainly who thought that once sports betting was legalized, the offshore market was going to go away was very naive. And certainly it's like any market, right? I mean, marijuana is legal in many states, and there's still going to be, a, you know, an illegal market for it. Uh, it just all kind of is economics and what is, you know, what's cheapest and supply and demand. I think that for them, the biggest thing is stability, right? I think the biggest kind of knock, I mean, there's many, but one is on offshore is, you know, you can deposit a lot of money. And if they go belly up the next day, you're not getting that money back. That's not FDIC insured. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of people, whether that's been certain books or for, you know, poker or Black Friday, like that's, I think the more people who have those experiences um, with specific books is probably how it's going to change. But, you know, sadly, it's probably not going to change that quickly as long as offshore books can offer cheaper prices and, you know, kind of operate as they do. Uh you know, if I'm a better and I don't care that much and I can bet, you know, minus 105 instead of minus 110, minus 115, like, it, you know, that's why people are, are going to do that. And I think until, you know, it's more enforceable and until there are those kind of better, uh, better regulations, it's going to, you know, continue to exist. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it, it's, it's tough for those books to, you know, I, I think that my guess is they are going after a lot of the newer to sports betting as opposed to the trying to convert the already the, the people already betting on sports, figuring that those people probably are going to bet on the offshore books and in the legal books in their state anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why you see so many of these massive promos just to try and lure, lure in new customers from the offshore market. But I want to get your thoughts, Ben, on, on the little NBA talk here. We have the uh, first round of the playoffs starting tomorrow or today when people are actually listening to this. Uh, but just looking at some of the different series, uh, do you think it's going to go chalk? Uh, or do you see any upsets in the first round potentially that are of interest to you? So I think the kind of one of the more interesting series, obviously with a lot of subplots, is Rockets Thunder. And obviously of the Westbrook injury as well and kind of some of that unknown and going up against OKC. Uh, the Rockets are just a fascinating team always. And they're kind of a team where I think if they went out in the first round, you wouldn't necessarily be shocked. And if they somehow made it out of the West, you also wouldn't necessarily be shocked. And so they're very... They're a very odd team, but I think, you know, OKC was a team where everyone 
kind of was like, wow, they made, you know, they made this trade, the Paul George trade, and they got CP3, and all right, they're rebuilding, they have all these picks, and like, no, they're they're pretty good right now uh, with Shea Gildress, Alexander. Like, I think that, to me, that's the one I'd have circled, especially if Westbrook, um, you know, if, if Westbrook doesn't come back, let's say, till you know, game three, game four. Um, but it kind of all, you know, for the Rockets, it all depends on whether they're hitting threes. And at a certain point, if they're taking enough of them and they're, you know, they're making enough of them, it's kind of a math problem and they, they will likely prevail, but that's probably the one I would, I would circle. I think the Jazz are interesting. Uh, obviously Mike Conley, you know, left the bubble, um, which is, hurts them, but I, I think that they are certainly interesting. I like the Mavs as a team. I don't think they're going to beat the Clippers. But that would be a team, like, if they had drawn someone else, um, I'd probably be looking at them just with kind of how transcendent Luka Doncic has been, you know, so far. Um, those those would probably be the ones I would highlight because uh, the 76ers, I, I'm not buying the Trailblazers. I don't know. Everyone seems to be very, very high on them. Uh, they're certainly exciting, but... The Lakers haven't really been the same team in the bubble, but I also think, you know, playoff LeBron is different than regular season LeBron. So it, it's a longer game for them. They want to, you know, get rid of the Trailblazers, have some rest and move on. And I, I think it will be a good series, but I would be surprised if that's like a six or seven game series, as people seem to think it will be. Mm-hmm. We're we're glad to hear you think that because Cody and I are both Laker fans and we've been panicking a, we've been panicking a little bit but not too much. I do like the Mavericks. It's pretty underrated. They had the best offensive rating in NBA history this year as a team, mm-hmm. um, but they also gave up 126 points per game in the bubble so far. So I think that's going to be a super fun series with the Clippers. But they're just that team that is like a year or two away from really contending. They're a fun young team now, but I think they just don't have the vets. Um, But, yeah, I agree with you on the Thunder Rockets series. I think that'll be fun. And like you said, so many subplots. Russell Westbrook, once he does come back, playing the Thunder. Chris Paul playing the Rockets team that traded him. So I do like the Thunder. I see on Bet Online they're actually plus 135 to win the series. Um, So I, I do think they could you know, take the Rockets the distance and maybe win that series. Billy Donovan gets no credit, but he's actually turned into a really good NBA coach. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, yeah. I'm a little nervous because we're all, we're all on the same page, <laughs> which is like when, when everyone's on the trendy dog and they were, before Westbrook got hurt, they're around like plus 300, plus 350. This makes me nervous, guys, but I agree. I like the Thunder. I, I think the Harden thing... You hit on it, Ben. He could average 45 a game and carry them through the through the West. Um, but I, I really like the OKC guards uh, with CP3, Shea, and Schroeder's played well for them. He's kind of been much maligned throughout his career, but he's been a good fit in that system. Yeah, I think the Nuggets are also interesting just in that they haven't really had their full team together, um, which, again, is either – you know, for continuity's sake, is probably bad, especially in the bubble and with everything else. But you could also make the argument that, you know, that Jamal Murray and others are very fresh. And so mm-hmm. they'll be, you know, they'll be an interesting team as well. I, it seems like all roads probably lead to Clippers Thunder. I mean, excuse me, Clippers uh, Lakers for the most part. Um, but, you know, if it was the Rockets or the Nuggets <laughs> in there instead of one of them, it wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. 
it's crazy how Michael Porter Jr. This is his rookie year. He's you know he he didn't play a lot leading up to the bubble, and now he's their second best player, and they rely on him like pretty heavily in crunch time. I think he's gonna be awesome. I'm not sure if he's ready yet to do that in the playoffs, but I do like the Nuggets. Um, looking out east, are there any series you guys see? the lower seed winning in the first round. I'm, I'm glad, Ben, you said you don't believe in the 76ers. I'm so tired of them, and I'm already just ready to give up my money on the Eastern Conference to win the Eastern Conference bet I put on them before the season. So I'm ready to give that money away in like a week or two. Um, any other series you guys are excited to see? He Pacers with Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren should probably be pretty good. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably the one I'd have circled just because the Pacers are oh, just – you know, outside of probably T.J. Warren the last uh, couple weeks in the bubble. And, um, you know, obviously they have Oladipo, but they're not kind of a star-laden team. And they yeah. just seem to be a team year after year. You look up and all of a sudden they're a, you know, three-seed, four-seed, five-seed in the playoffs, and you kind of are like, oh, interesting. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a, a good series. Uh, it's not necessarily like a series I'd probably watch all of. Um <laughs> Uh, just because they're, you know, I think two very well-coached teams as well, and Spolstra's great, but I think that that's, that's more one that could go either way. Um, and, you know, the Heat are, the Heat are definitely, uh, definitely a strong team, and I think probably have leapt up the power rankings more with the Ben Simmons injury to the Sixers, but that, that's probably the one I'd have circled. Yeah, yeah, I think that will be a great series. I'm excited to bet against the Sixers in as many games as they give us here. It, it seems like a team that's just been overvalued all year. Tyler mentioned it, been suckered into wagering on them a few too many times. Simmons is out. The Celtics have had success recently against the Sixers. They're 12-5 and against the spread their last 17 matchups. And most importantly for the Celtics... They basically they have their starters for the first time in what feels like a while here. So Kemba's in the mix. Hayward, we'll see how good they are in the playoffs. But, I mean, what I've seen out of Jalen Brown and Tatum this year, those guys should be good enough to take out Embiid. I'm, I imagine Embiid will average like 35 a series this um, in this matchup, just given Cantor is going to be guarding him. Um, but besides that, yeah, I, I don't see any upsets on the Eastern side. And, and I think one of the things, like, for, you know, your Lakers as well, uh, the lack of home court advantage, you know, the Philadelphia is 29-2 and two at home. So, you know, no matter whether they have Ben Simmons or not, that's a huge thing to take away from them. And, you know, they're just disproportionately good at home this season. So there are certain teams that are going to be hurt more with that than others, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah, good point. So Ben, what's your uh what's your finals prediction here before before we sign off? Oh man, finals predictions. Uh I think the Bucks are good enough. I, I think the, the Raptors are interesting and the, the Celtics are somewhat interesting. I think the Bucks they are not probably getting as much buzz because of how they looked in the bubble. Um I think for them it's the equivalent to preseason where there's always those preseason NFL quarterbacks, except for this year, um, where or players that we get super hyped about, and then three weeks in the season, you're like, oh, yeah, who was that You know, third-string quarterback who threw for 300 yards? I, I forget. Like, mm-hmm. the Bucks were obliterating teams at a historic pace this season. It just, you know, there's more 
for them, I think, than just the title, which is keeping Giannis as well. And they know this is this is the season. Like, I think anything short of getting to the NBA Finals is a disappointment. And they might say winning the NBA Finals is a disappointment. Uh, and I would take, unfortunately for you guys, the Clippers in the West. Um, I just think that they they were certainly hurt with Bradley and Rondo not coming, being able to come into the bubble. And when you have superstars, you have to give up something somewhere. The Heat had kind of the same thing in terms of depth, and we've seen it with the Lakers. And the Clippers are just a much deeper team. They have players to throw at LeBron. They don't have too many people to guard Anthony Davis, but not too many people on the planet also can do that anyway. So I would probably see those two. uh, And then, man, I'll go with the Clippers. Why not? Yeah. Kawhi is is still amazing, and I think if there's anyone who has had, you know, they've tried to have load management with him, and now obviously he's had a lot of time off due to, uh, you know, COVID and then being in the bubble, like him and Paul George are more well-rested, and Paul George's shoulder and other things, I think that, you know, if any team's benefited, uh, they're one of the ones that benefit the most from having the added rest, so I'll go with them. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, and if the Lakers do play the Clippers, the biggest thing is Anthony Davis just needs to take advantage of, you know, how he's better than any big man the Clippers have, so I, gr- I agree uh, with most of your picks. If We're trying not to overreact too much to the eight games, but if we do want to take some hot takes away from the seeding games, the Bucks were a little shaky. I, I'm a little nervous uh, about them <laughs> getting out of the East. I, I don't know. I just think... You look at the Heat potentially in round two with Bam and Jimmy Baller, all the guys that you could kind of throw at Giannis and Middleton. If that's like one hot take I want to take away from the eight games, it's the Bucks do look a little vulnerable in the East. But then I guess in that sense, I'd have to say the Lakers are probably going to lose to the Blazers. So <laughs> kind of got, got myself in a pickle. No, and the Ra- look, the Raptors are still the champions, and yeah. they deserve respect. They have not been knocked off yet. They look great. They're going to the playoffs. They, you know. I- on many podcasts, I keep hearing everyone loves Nick Nurse, and you know I think that's what we we heard with Spolstra too. Obviously, when they had the super team, you know they had an unbelievable amount of talent. I think people sometimes were like, "Oh, Spolstra, yeah, like I could coach that team, and they'll go to the playoffs." Like he's a really good coach, and so you know we see that certainly in the playoffs where you're playing the same team over and over. The better coaches are really going to help because. You know, game two, game three, maybe even by halftime at game one, they kind of know what the other team wants to do. And so being able to make those adjustments is key. Yeah, yeah. Raptors 7-1 and one so far in the bubble, best record in the East, and a team that didn't have really much to play for. So we'll see what happens. I I unfortunately agree with your pick, Ben. I think it's going to be Clippers. Um, but they're, they're the chalk. They're the favorite in Vegas, and... Honestly, nine times out of ten, when it's NBA, that's typically how the season ends. Um, but I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see to see whose uh, whose prediction is is right here. But Ben, where can our listeners follow you along on Twitter um, and keep up with uh, your your work over at Vizen? Yeah, I'm uh, at B Fox, which is F A W K E S two two. And yeah, basically Vizen.com. We're uh, going to ramp up programming uh, coming up soon and. It's, uh, it's exciting to have sports back, and we'll have kind of more shows. We've got, uh, you know, ramping up content on the website, Point Spread Weekly for um, behind the paywall that people can get, and a daily newsletter that 
we're working on both to kind of have all the against the spread and trends and news and notes from around the sports betting industry as well. So working on all that and then knocking on wood that we'll have a uh, college football and football to NFL to look forward to in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. Yep. That makes three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Have a good one. Thanks guys. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Jason Wurslin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests our products four times before they get to you, Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to get the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And thanks again to Ben for joining the podcast. A lot of fun learning about his background, hearing some little behind the scenes about Mel Kuyper's draft grades and talking some NBA hoops. Um, before we get into our double shot recap, Cody said you had asked me a question and I had something else to bring up. So we'll hit on that before the episode recap. Okay. So I'm looking at the NBA games tomorrow. Um, we, we spoke about it. They start at one thirty. They basically go till 11.30. An all favorites parlay, um, money line, money line parlay. The Nuggets over the Jazz, Raptors over Brooklyn, Celtics over Sixers, Clippers over Mavs pays out plus two fifty. Which team lets us down if I take that? Um, I mean Denver and Utah played a double overtime game a couple weeks ago that I was on the right side of. Luckily, that gave me a heart attack nearly. Um, and Utah was up big in that game, and Denver came back. So Utah is definitely capable of beating the Nuggets. I also think the Mavericks could beat the Clippers. That's going to be a high-scoring game. And like I, I said to Ben, um, the Mavs had the best offense of all time this year, which is slightly inflated and maybe not that, – that doesn't indicate they're the best offense of all time, but they could put up points. So I, I think either of those West games could throw it off. 
I think Nugget or the Jazz not having Conley. I know he hasn't played well, but just have another facilitator on that team with Bogdanovich out. I feel like their offense gets really stagnant when it's just Donovan Mitchell doing a lot of one-on-one and maybe kicking out to Joe Ingles. So yeah, I don't know. I like I like the Nuggets a lot tomorrow. So that's I'm I'm going to be placing that wager. What's your question? <clears throat> okay, it's a little it's a little um what's the word chalk. Yeah, chalk. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for you. Um, but what I wanted to bring up is just the college football news from this past week. The Big Ten, the Pac-12 canceling their seasons. Um, you know, it looks like the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are going to play. Um, and this is – I said this a while ago. It's so – it makes so much sense that the season was canceled this year when IU is going to have their probably their best team ever. They had the most Maxwell Award – list guys in the Big Ten going into this year. Not that that indicates that's always the best team, obviously, but that just shows that this was going to be a good IU team, so it feels very fitting that the season was canceled. So was that you just getting that off your chest, or did you want me to add something more? I mean, it's a big story in sports, so I thought you might have an opinion on it. Okay. Are we in a fight? (laughs) So I... uh... Yeah, I mean, this is it's perfect value football. And the fact that, obviously, college basketball is also at risk um, would also be fitting because this is probably the best, mm, probably the best team Archie's had. Um, I, the Romeo-Juan team was one thing, but uh, with with Lander coming in. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely hard. I feel I do feel badly for you as a diehard IU football fan. Um, it stinks because... We actually have a fun quarterback now, uh, so it's tough, tough not being able to watch him. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's what's going to happen. Like, are they just going to scrimmage like every week? Yeah, I have no idea what the plan is during when the actual season would be happening. They set the spring season. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, to have a spring season and then a shorter off season that would lead into. A fall season in 2021, and then, and then how does that work with the draft, the NFL draft? So, like, to all those, all the top Big Ten guys just opt out. I, I guess, which would obviously hurt, you know, the quality of the games, but not like a ton where it'd be unwatchable. But I just, I just don't see it happening. It's such a cop out, and it made no sense that the Big Ten released their schedule like five days before making the decision to yeah, cancel no, the season. That doesn't make changed. sense. And the Big Ten commissioner's son plays football in the SEC, and he's planning on playing. So none of it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I get get the safety aspect of it. Obviously, it's a big concern, but just their moves on a timeline do not make sense, and that's what's the most frustrating thing. Justin Fields put out a petition for people to sign. I signed it. I don't know what's going to happen from it, but um, (laughs) it felt felt good to get that out there. But... Let's let's talk about Double Shot. They're in Miami this week. Um, a good episode, a lot going on. What were, what were kind of some of your main takeaways? Um, main takeaways, I think the biggest takeaway is uh, Brandon has a big moment in Miami. He becomes overwhelmed uh, with emotion and gratitude and being... In Miami with Polly D, he had been there for his 21st birthday with his dad. He saw Polly D live, and then to be there again with him, but now being friends, comrades, brother in arms, 
uh, with Polly, it's it's overwhelming for him. So I think that was that was big. And pool party Poppy just continues to be like just a total total clown um, and and great addition to the show. Yeah, he's great. He always keeps a light. Um, and his whole thing with why cheat when you could have a treat, it's just, it's a, it's a great motto to have uh, going on. And for Brandon, you know, it was, it was an emotional moment. And, you know, it was, it was touching to see that he was so, he was just so appreciative that he's sitting at dinner with Polly and Vinny in Miami going to a nightclub, you know, DJ, DJing event by Polly at Live. So it was a beautiful moment. Um, and, you know, it was, it was great to see. He's really reached into the depths of his emotions throughout the season. He's had a, he's had a great mm-hmm. character arc. He really has. He really has. He got started as being, uh, I'd say, Mike the Situation, season two of Jersey Shore-esque, and he started to come around here. He's showing his range as a reality star. I, I think Brandon's kind of the, he would be my vote for winner. Would you disagree of the episode? I don't disagree. Okay, you, you're in agreement there. Great. Um, loser of the episode, early thoughts. I'm going to go with Polly, actually. And my reasoning being that he has like a define the relationship conversation with Nikki right before uh, they tease it out, but before his show. And obviously it doesn't go well. She leaves the room hysterically crying. The girls are concerned. It seems like it's going to be a damper on the night. It's one of his dreams to perform at live. Um, I, I just like, don't know what he's doing. Like he knows exactly what he's getting into. It maybe it's just the producer's hand in all this, that this is still even a plot line, but like, Come on, you know you know what's gonna happen here if you uh, play with fire. Mm-hmm. It's what I he was my loser last week. I feel like he's been kind of leading Nikki on. Um, he's very you know touchy feely with her in public. Very you know coupley. Even Vinny says you look like you're wifed up. And then he's like, I don't want to lead her on, but it's like you keep doing the same thing. So I agree with you. I'm gonna say my winner for the week is Maria. Just because, you know, she got jealous of Vinny flirting with the waitress at dinner, and she kind of took it into her own hands to kind of, you know, stake her ground with Vinny. And then in turn, my loser is Olivia, said waitress, who was flirting with Vinny. I don't know where that was going, but, you know, Maria kind of kicked her out of the club by taking Vinny and just uh, asserting her dominance over there. So those are my uh, winners and losers from this week. Yeah, good call there with Maria and Vinny. I'm really happy they're still going strong here. Um, yeah, definitely proud of them. Love love uh, Nikki's quick, uh, boy Nikki, his quick appearance. Um, when he call he calls Polly and Vinny, and he's like, Cougines, where, <laughs> where are you at? We, we, I said this last week. We spoke about it. It's one of three catchphrases out of his mouth. Two out of three are Cougine. He sticks to the script. Oh, just happy for him. Mm-hmm. He's like, tell the other Cougine to come. Um, but, yeah, he, he's hilarious. Also, Susie. Susie is back to just being, like, oh. the, the fun in between that. It's just there to have a good time, which that's when she's in at her best. Her wearing heels to the beach is just walking into the ocean in high heels. I feel like one of the most underrated moments in reality TV. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, what is she? She's like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have worn heels. It's like, 
Uh, you think? She's from California. It's not like she's never been to a beach before. It was yeah. so funny. It was so her. So I'm glad to see we have that Susie back in our lives after a couple episodes where she, you know, she she released Boozy Susie. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's all we got this week. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Join our Discord. Uh, that's out on Twitter. We'll get some good group chatter picks banter smack talk all the above in there so give it a listen and we'll be back next week sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events major league baseball is finally kicking off this week and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online check out all the odds futures and props to bet on all available 24 7 and with the return of sports bet online sat down with former pro players eddie george Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in the series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 